I shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Starting a brand new series talking about every prayer answered. How many of you would like to see every single one of your prayer answered? Let me see if I'm in the right place. Yes, I'm in the right place. Now, let me tell you, it is uh, your heavenly father's decreed will that he answers every single one of your prayers. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Now, purpose uh, uh, in terms of prayer is critical. We have to know what uh, a prayer is for and why God gave to the church this thing called prayer. You know, I have a little saying that I put in my book that whenever a purpose of a thing is lost, abuse is inevitable. Whenever you don't know the purpose or the reason of a thing, you know, abuse is inevitable. I remember watching Zulu in my stoop and these two boys picked up a gun and they started playing with it. They used it as a rope to get the other one out of the water tank. And the other one started looking inside the gun barrel. And the other one playing with the trigger. Man, he could have had his head blown off (laughs) with the thing that he could have used for his protection. Mm. So whenever a purpose of a thing is lost, abuse is inevitable. And it's sad to say the church has lost the purpose, the primary purpose or God's original intent when it comes to prayer. We've made it a religious calisthenic. We've made it a, a just something that we use to get stuff from God. But that's not God's original. Someone say original. original. That's not God's original intent for prayer. Why? Because Adam prayed and yet he lived in a perfect environment. Adam did not have a wife to believe God for. He already had Eve. Adam did not have the weather to bind and tell it because he lived in a perfect environment. The weather was always perfect. Adam did not have to pray the food in. God was his source. And yet he prayed. The Bible says he met with the Lord every noonday to pray. So what was he doing in his prayer time? He was fellowshipping. Someone say fellowship. So the primary reason for prayer is fellowship. Not to present a grocery list to God. A prayer is not a synonym for asking. When we say, let's pray, most people think, what am I going to ask for? That's not what prayer is for. Amen? I said amen. Amen. So let us go now to Matthew chapter number 6, and we're going to read from verse 5. Let's find out from Jesus, the master, what he thinks of this thing called prayer. If you're writing notes, please write this down. Praying the wrong way will not only limit your results, but it will also frustrate your prayer life. Man, when you just go ahead and do it the wrong way, you will get limited results from it. And the natural thing to do is to be frustrated. And usually it results in no prayer. Now watch what it says. And when you pray, this is Jesus speaking. And Matthew chapter number 6 is an interesting chapter because it teaches the three basic foundations that define a spiritually mature believer. He starts off the chapter by teaching them how to give. And then he goes on to how to pray. And he ends off the chapter by teaching them how to fast, the biblical way. Amen? 
So these guys were praying, but they were not doing it the right way. And Jesus starts off by teaching them how to pray uh, properly. And watch what he says in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not. Someone say, you shall not. Notice Jesus starts with the you shall nots of prayer instead of the you shalls of prayer. He starts, in other words, with the don'ts of prayer before dealing with the do's of prayer. Do you see it? He says, when you pray, you shall not. In other words, Jesus is getting rid of the dirty diaper. You know, when we were having our first child, my wife and I went to the hospital to an antenatal class, and they were teaching us how to look after a baby. And the first thing you need to learn, if you're going to take care of a baby, is to know how to change their diaper. And I used to think if a baby wants a new diaper, just get a new diaper and give it to the baby. No, that's not how you do it. You have to get rid of the old, dirty diaper and clean up throw it away, then put on the new diaper. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's getting rid of the old dirty diaper of tradition. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 7, verse 13, the traditions of man make the gospel of none effect. In other words, the traditions of man take the power out of God's word. When you just do stuff, when you pray, because that's just how we do it. That's just how religion taught me to do it. Man, you have taken power out of this thing called prayer. Yeah. Amen. Now watch what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. (laughs) Man, you would think because they are hypocrites, they don't love praying. He says, they love to pray. So just because you love praying, don't mean nothing. Okay, moving right along. (laughs) Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen by men. Man, he's dealing with the motive for prayer. He's saying the reasons that the reason these guys want to pray in the streets is because they want to be seen by men. Their prayer life is a show. Sure. Hallelujah. I remember, man, when I was still young in the Lord, I used to do this. I used to time myself in prayer. I was to go into the prayer closet and then I'll set the clock. Go. And then I'm in there, and then I'd go back and check, hoping it was 35 minutes and just two minutes. But here's the objective. Here's the objective. The objective was to hit the three-hour mark for prayer so that when I'm talking with my other brothers, I can tell them, you know, brother, I'm a spiritual prayer warrior. I just came out of a three-hour intercession for this nation. Now watch what Jesus says about that. He says, I say to you, they have their reward. He says that little ego stroking, that little pet on the back you get, wow, you are a prayer warrior. That's all you're going to get. You get a reward, but it's not coming from God. It's coming from man. So what is Jesus dealing with here? He's dealing with motive. And motive is everything when you come to the kingdom of God. What is your motive for doing what you do? You know, when I'm dealing with uh, uh, young uh, pastors that I mentor, I always tell them, your motive, put your motive in check. Your motive should always be kingdom-driven and not self-driven. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. That's why Jesus says, uh, in fact, it was the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He said, if you give your body to be burnt as a sacrifice, which is the ultimate sacrifice. He says, if you give your body to be burnt as a sacrifice and you don't do it motivated by love, it does what? It profits you. I didn't hear that. So motive is everything. 
Why do you pray? Why do you encourage people to pray with you? Is it about you? Is it to try and get some form of attention? Because if it is, you know, that little attention, that little ego stroking they give you, that is all you're going to. These are some hard words from the master. But these will put your prayer life in check. The foundation for prayer is not to show off. It is to fellowship and connect with God. And usually, I was saying this in the first service, usually people go over into this kind of weird type of prayer and they cross over because they do not have the, 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 the willingness to establish a relationship with God. There are two ways you can influence people. The first one is a terrible one. You should never be involved in it. It's called manipulation. And the second one is called relationship. But here's the deal. Relationship takes work. So a lot of people, when they don't have the ability to establish relationship and fellowship with others, they go over to this one. Let me just manipulate them into doing what I want them to do. And it never works. Because people were designed with an antenna on the inside of them that can read manipulation a mile away. You, you know, there's, there's just some, there's just, you know, this one guy, he friended me on Facebook probably after watching me on uh, TBN and started sending me prophetic words. Both my wife and I actually started sending both of us prophetic words, long, drawn prophetic words, and I could sense something was wrong. I, you know, you can't put a finger on it, but you know, there's something wrong with this. And I knew it. Lo and behold, a few weeks later, this dude is now trying to run my life with prophetic words. Pastor, I sense now you need to. I said, no, you don't sense nothing. And I'm not doing anything that you're saying or coming, letting come. No, I don't even know you. We don't have a relationship. And this dude had the audacity to get my phone number and he went into my WhatsApp and again... (laughs) He's sending prophetic words. But he, he, you see, his thinking is, if I can give him a prophetic words uh, and influence him, I can start changing him, directing. No, that's not the way to do it. Establish a connection and a relationship that is based purely on giving of yourself to that person. Amen, that's a good word. And it takes time. Yeah. Relationships cost money. Because yeah. you have to take me out for coffee. <laughs> And listen to me talk while I listen to you talk. It takes an investment. And people don't want to invest. They want to manipulate. So Jesus is saying the foundation for prayer is fellowship with the Father. He just wants to hang out with you. And those of you who are married, man, how would you feel if the only time your spouse came to you is when they wanted something? (laughs) Most of you say, don't touch me. Don't don't." (laughs) Me alone. I'm nothing. I ain't giving you nothing. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, talk to me, right? Yep. Let's have a relationship, a connection, a fellowship. That's what he's saying here. Next verse. Watch what happens. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who sees in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, your prayer life is between you and God. What the public should see is the fruit. Oh, man, that's good. Let me say it one more time. (laughs) Your prayer life is between you and God. What the public should see is the fruit. Because God who sees and connects secretly will bring forth your reward and make your rewards public. And when the people see the reward, now you can connect with them and minister to them. Mm -hmm. 
Next verse. So the first don't for prayer is motive. Pray with the right motive. And here's the second one. And when you pray, do not. Someone say, do not. He's still dealing with the dawns of prayer. Do you see it? He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Man, this is strong. <laughs> this is strong. You ever heard of this thing called PUSH, the acronym? Anybody? Just little PUSH, PUSH. Pray until... It's not biblical. Man. This is good. He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. What do the heathens think when they do this? For they think they will be heard for their many words. Man, we used to go to these all-night prayer meetings with this attitude. Pray until something happens. I won't let you go until you bless me. I'm going, in, I'm going all in. Jesus said, no, no, virtue... In prayer is not in a multitude of words. See, if you're going to go Bible, you may as well go Bible all the way. If you're going to go traditions, you may as well stick with traditions. Because the minute you go into the Bible, man, he strips away all the traditions. And the things I'm talking about, all of them I did. When I became a Christian, I did all of this. Man, we would pray until something happens and nothing ever happened. (laughs) Nothing happened. And we kept asking, man, keep asking, keep asking. And it just didn't work. And why did it not work? Watch what it says in verse 8. Man, this is good. Therefore, do not be like them, the vain repetitions folk. For your father knows the things you have need of before you. So when you go to him, just make it about fellowship. And this dude already knows. So when you go over into push, actually your revelation you, you, is twisted about the true nature of the Father. When you know the true nature of God and that God knows of the things that you have need of before you ask him, it will radically change your prayer life and the way you pray. Prayer is not trying to convince God to give you stuff. Poor, old, and uninformed God sitting in heaven. I'm going to let him know exactly what is going on. Lord, here is the situation. (laughs) The Bible says this dude knows of the things you are in need of way before you ask him. Uh, It was at Life Group just this past Thursday. We start with uh, testimonies, and almost everyone at Life Group had a testimony of something that God did uh, uh, independent of all our efforts. Sure. You know, before I left for Katu, I think it was Friday, my wife and I waited for the program uh, to come on, the Faith Hill TV program, and uh, we were just talking, and we said to each other, you know, it would be nice if they could give us a time uh, uh, that people don't have to wait up on. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, 9.30 p.m. is a little bit late, and some people, you know, sleep early, and they have to wait up. Uh, on the program. So we were just talking. And my wife said, why don't you talk to them and see if they can give you a better time? And I said, nah, I'll let God handle that. I think God already knows that we need a better time. And while I was in Katu, I think it was Sunday morning, I got a message from Rachel Lally, uh, the missionary who moved from New Jersey to our church in Durban. And she was saying, hey, I finally saw your program. 
and it's 8 o'clock, 7.30 on Monday morning. I said, no, that's a mistake. It's 4.30 today. So you already missed it. She said, no, I'm looking at it right now. Let me send you a screenshot. So she sent a screenshot, and I did my research, and we found out God had given us independent of our all-night prayer. We hadn't even started fasting. Man, I feel cheated. We hadn't even started fasting. We hadn't even started praying about it. We haven't even started making confessions on it. And God did it. Independent of our efforts. You know why? Because God already knows the things that you are in need of before you ask him. So virtue in prayer is not in a repetition of words. Give me, give me, give me. Lord, give me. Give me, give me, give me. No, that's not where the power is. The power is in your faith to believe him, to be able to do what he says he will do. Now go back to verse 7. I want you to to see something. Uh, Verse 7, Matthew chapter number 6. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. What about the widow, Pastor T? The widow who kept going and asking from the judge. Let's go and check it out. Uh, Matthew, Luke, Luke, chapter number 18, verse 2. What about the persistent widow? In fact, before we go there, let's read Mark 11, verse 24. Mark, chapter number 11, verse 24. Watch what it says. Look up. It says, therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When should you believe that you receive them? I didn't hear that. Push doesn't say this. Push says whatever things you ask when you pray, pray until you have them. There's no faith in that. He says whatever things you ask, whatever things you desire, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. So you should believe while you're still in the prayer closet. By the time you leave the prayer closet, you should walk out with, thank you, Jesus. And then if you do that, watch what happens. And you will have them. You'll possess them. You'll bring them into manifestation. Now, if I went to Pastor Henry and I said, brother, uh, will you please give me 500,000? Give me, not lend. Give me. <laughs> I receive that. And he says, okay, I'll give it to you by Monday morning. What, what should be my appropriate respond, uh, response to him if I'm well-mannered? Not, brother, can I please have that 500,000? <laughs> and then I see him after church at the Faith Cafe. Brother, please, 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 can I? Dude, I already told you that when you pray, Believe you've received it. God has already granted it. And when you go back and ask for the very same thing that you already asked and God granted, you are revealing that you didn't believe that he gave it to you the first time. Now you have gone into vain repetitions because you think you will be heard for your much talking. (laughs) I didn't say it. Jesus did. (laughs) He says you think you'll be heard for your much speaking. And man, I struggled with this. Because I was taught you must pray until something, you must ask until something happened. And it threw me into a realm of unbelief. Luke chapter number 8 verse 2. Is this helping you? Man, for today we're just stripping away all tradition and religion. We're just taking it away. Some of you will be left with no prayer life after today. (laughs) (laughs) This dude took everything. (laughs) 
This is Jesus speaking. And he said, there was a certain city with a judge who did not fear God. Someone say, this judge judge did not fear God. God. Nor regard man. In other words, he didn't honor man. He didn't respect man. Now watch what happened. Next verse. This is good. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me, for my adversary. Now watch what happened. Next verse. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by a continual coming she wearies me. Next verse. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not, shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. Next verse. I tell you that he will avenge them. How? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. Preach like you had breakfast. He says, I tell you, I will avenge them speedily. So I want to submit to you that God is not being compared to the unjust judge who did not fear God nor regard man. God regards man. You and I are the crown jewels of his creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever in it should believe will not perish but have what? Eternal life. God regards man. So this is not a comparison. This is a contrast. He's saying unlike the unjust judge who took long, God will avenge of your adversaries speedily. So God is not being compared to the unjust judge. It's a contrast. And he's saying, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Man, God responds to faith. Faith, not faith in your own faith or faith in yourself, but faith in the true nature of who he says he is. And while we... At this, let's kill another sacred cow. Let's take away another dirty diaper. Don't pray for faith. Write that down. Don't pray for faith. Because here's the deal. If you're praying for faith, what are you using? Because he says, he who comes to God, Hebrews 11 verse 6, must believe. So by the time you come to God, You should already be in faith. And how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by? Man, you need to hear enough of the gospel, of the goodness of God, and faith will rise up on the inside of you, and by the time you approach God, it's a done deal. What about Elijah, Pastor T? We know Elijah prayed seven times for rain. He prayed. One time and it didn't rain. And he prayed again. Two times, it didn't rain. He prayed again three times. Seven times, he kept pushing. No, let's read it. It would help if we read it. (laughs) And not preach it. 1 Kings chapter number 18, verse 41. 1 Kings chapter number 18, verse 41 to 46. And again, Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink. For there is the sound of abundance, rain. Now, Elijah has already built his faith on that. That there is rain coming. 
That there is a blessing coming. That there is healing coming. That there is something spectacular that God is getting ready to do. So his prayer was not to convince God. His prayer was to cooperate with what God was already doing. Man, don't use uh, prayer as a tool to try and convince God. God is already convinced that you need the blessing. In fact, he came up with the idea. So, so your prayer is not to try and convince God that you need a, a marriage made in heaven. No, God came up with the idea of marriage and good marriages. He, it's his idea. So your, your, your position is not to try and convince him. He's already moving. In fact, most of us, your prayer should be to convince yourself. (laughs) Should be to convince yourself. Man, I've heard people just, and and I do this sometimes, and and to convince those around you. Particularly when I'm praying for the sick. You know, just like Jesus, I know the prayer should be one sentence. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. But you know, when I'm around religious people, they're going to think I'm fronting. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. No, that's not going to work. So I have to go in there. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that today is a good day. Lord, we thank you that, to, we thank you, that you are the one who created. With, man, I'm going around just convincing those around me. I'm, I ain't even talking to God. Because <laughs> God said you should talk to the mountain. And the mountain in this case is sickness. Yeah. I should just walk into the building and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Sickness, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Amen. And walk out. But because we have so been uh, uh, Christianized, religious-sized, man, we think it takes a lot more effort on our part. No, Jesus already did it on the cross. And all we are doing is cooperating with him. So Elijah knew there was already an abundance of rain coming. So his prayer was not to make God send rain. His prayer was to connect with what God had already done. And watch what he did. So Ab went up. To eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down onto the ground and put his face between his knees. Next verse. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And again, uh, and seven times he prayed again. Go back, go back, go back. Go back. <laughs> seven times he did what? He didn't even pray about it. Because dude had prayed for it once. This thing is already closed. The rain is coming. That settles it. There's no rain. No, you. There's something wrong with your eyes. You go and check again. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the prayer. Nothing wrong with the father. Something wrong with your eyes. Man, I wish we could do this with the doctor's slips. Say, you still have this thing. No, I already prayed. And Jesus said, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. And if I am healed, I am healed. Yeah. Something wrong with your computer. Go and check your computer. Yeah. But we've switched it. We put our confidence in the computer. Something wrong with the word because the computer is right. No, you need to flip it around. Yeah. The word is always right. Something wrong with the computer. Yeah. Even when you go to the ATM and it says only 123 rand. Man, if you let that thing determine what you're going to eat today, that thing will start running your life. Man, you stand on Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs. You stand on Matthew 6 verse 24 onwards, 
I should not worry about what I should wear, what I should eat, or where I will stay. Because God will provide. Amen. And when we put our confidence in God to the level where anything else that doesn't line up with God's word is a deception, then our faith will rise up. Man, I'm telling you, anything else that doesn't line up with God's word is a misnomer and it must be corrected. Don't try and change God's word to fit the 123 rand. <laughs> but you know, Pastor, the word said we shall suffer persecution. So, um, and then you protect that thing. Oh, man, this is, no, 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 no. The word said all my needs are met. The word says I'm a son in God's kingdom and God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and the hills that they're on. And everything in the earth realm belongs to God. And therefore, I will not go with my needs unmet. Right. And when I pray, I'm not trying to convince God. I'm just cooperating with what God has already said. God has already sent rain. And he's just looking for one man in the earth realm to connect and release it and give it authority. Because mm. watch this. God will not do anything in the earth realm unless it's in response to prayer. And the reason is simple. God gave the earth to mankind. In fact, he loaned it to mankind. It's like if you have a house and you, you have tenants on it. Whose house is it? It's yours, right? But when you have tenants in it, if your cousin flies in from England and you try to go for lunch at your house, you can be arrested for trespassing. But it's your house. It's the same thing. The earth belongs to God, but God gave it to mankind. He gave authority of the earth to mankind, and God will not budge in uninvited. So prayer is your opportunity to invite God on your issues. God is already willing to come, and your prayer is to just say, Lord, let's do it, and connect and cooperate with him. Amen? So he went up and prayed, and when the servant came back, he said, no, you go and check again. I'm not going to pray for it again. Push doesn't work on this one. I'm not pushing. It's already happened. Do you see it? He didn't pray again. He said, I already prayed. In closing, let us go to James chapter number four, uh, 5 from verse 14. So we know that the rain came, the rain came and the drought uh, ended on that day. Amen? amen. I said amen. Amen. Uh, Verse 14, watch what it says. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Uh, It's already God's idea to heal the sick. But the reason he says, uh, let the elders go is because he's looking for someone to make a contact. Amen? He's looking for someone to release that power into the earth realm. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the anointing of oil is so that this person can live. Now, I grew up in a church where they had seven sacraments, and one of the sacraments was to anoint with oil, but they were anointing them with oil for their journey out. So they would wait until you're on your death of the deathbed. Then they would send the priest to anoint with oil to bless you to... No, that's not this one. (laughs) This one is so that you can be healed. When we anoint, it is so that you can be healed. You are anointed to live, not to die. Amen? I said amen. But watch what, the, watch what happens in, in, the, in the next verse. Instead, some of you start glorifying the oil. Yeah. You know, I've heard people say, this one, pastor, this oil, this one is straight out of Israel. Yeah. Yeah. 
This oil is olive. It's olive oil. It's not sunflower. Because sunflower, no. This one is power. It is the anointing. It's, no, no, no. That's not where the power is. He's just using that as a symbol. Amen? I said amen. amen. Watch where the power is. He says in verse 15, and the oil will save the sick. No. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. So what saves the sick is faith. It is the prayer prayed in faith. And not its symbol. Man, when you start honoring the wine and the bread, more than what it stands for, when you start honoring the shadow, more than the real thing, man, you have missed the point. Jesus said, this wine, this bread, you must drink it as often as you can in remembrance of me. Not just so you can say, you know, we've heard communion. And that was my mindset. And I used to always fight with my mom. Because I used to go to a church that had a four-hour service. And my beef with my mom was, at least you guys ate something. I saw you eating it then. I saw you guys eating. They gave you bread and wine. I saw you guys eating. And we never got anything. <laughs> that was my gripe. Man, communion is not just food. It's in remembrance of something greater. And it's the same thing with the oil. The power is not in the oil. You could use margarine. The power is not in the oil. That's not where the power is. It's the prayer of faith that will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Now watch what it says in the next verse. Do you mind giving it to me in the uh, Amplified Bible, if you will, please? Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, uh, your slip-ups, your false steps, your offenses, and your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of of mind and heart. Now, watch what he says right there. He says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now, the earnest had felt continued fellowship. See, some of you are already thinking asking. Because you think the asking is a synonym for prayer. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the earnest had felt continued fellowship with the father of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Man, all you have to do is hang out with the father and watch how much power that will be available in your life. Remember Paul and Silas, Acts chapter number 16, from verse 25 onwards. Two cats, they have been beaten, stripped naked, thrown into a prison. And the Bible says, at midnight. Someone say at midnight. midnight. No spiritual significance at all. It just so happened that when they started praying, the watch said midnight. 12 o'clock. Otherwise, we're going to start a midnight prayer movement. Let's all pray at midnight because Paul is... No, it just so happened. You know, uh, 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 Peter and John, they healed uh, the man at noon. It just so happened that when they were going to church, it was noon. There's no spiritual significance. I know there are people who wake up specifically at 12 midnight 
Because that's when your prayers are powerful. No, it just so happens. Man, man, that's a good one. How about the different time zones? Because it was 12 midnight in Israel. What time is that here? I bet you didn't think about that. It was 12 midnight. So these dudes started praying. The Bible said they started praying and singing praises to God. I mean, these dudes started praying. And I can guarantee you their prayer was not, Lord, take us out of here. Lord, I call you to come. Lord, can't you see how desperate we are? We are desperate for you. We are desperate. We are desperate. And they start saying, no, that's not what their prayer was. Their prayer was, God, you're good. You're amazing. Man, we are in love with you. Lord, let's just hang out. Let's fellowship and watch this tremendous power was made available for them. The Bible says there was an earthquake so that the prison doors were opened and the chains on their hands fell off. Tremendous power was made available. But to show you that they were not asking God for a breakthrough to be released out of prison, they stayed in prison. They told the prison guard, don't worry, don't kill yourself. We are here. We ain't going anywhere. This is an accidental breakthrough. We weren't even praying for this one. We were not even praying for this one. But because tremendous power is available, we got this one too. Man, when you focus on a continued, heartfelt fellowship with God, tremendous power is made available for you. Man, you start getting promotions that you didn't pray for. When you start focusing on fellowship, you start getting offers that you didn't uh, uh, beg for. Offers that you didn't petition for. There's nothing wrong with petitioning, but prayer is way more than that. It's fellowship with the Father. And the Father looks forward to hanging out with you. And my name is Pastor T, and I approve this message. We love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by... Side.